0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, let's pray, pray for the message today. We need a special, uh, we need a, a special different kind of thing going on inside us to receive what God has for us today. So, Lord, we just come to you and Lord, we want to be able to walk, Lord, like the sons of Issachar, Lord, understanding the times and Lord, knowing what to do. Lord, there's a prophetic sense that Lord was hinted at, and, and Lord, only a few really were able to operate in the Old Testament. The prophets, Lord, spoke to the people. But Moses yearned for that time when every single Christian or every single person of God before they were called Christians. So Lord, they would, they, you, you, you communicated that to, to Moses, and he prayed it. He said, oh, that every man would be able to speak to you like I do. And behold, Lord, the times we are living in it, that, God, we can speak to you face to face because of what Christ did on the cross, that, Lord, we can come right up boldly to that throne, right into the Holy of Holies. Because we have the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we can hear your voice. And it can be clear. And Lord, we can be directed. And we can live in these times, Father, in such a way, Lord, that will prepare us for everything that's going on. So Lord, open our eyes today. That we may see wonderful things in your word. And that, Lord, we would not be like James described. One who would look into that mirror and forget what your word says. But Lord, impress us, impact us today in a good way. I, I see that impression that Lord would be laid deep into the flesh of our spirit, Lord, that we would not forget and that we would act. So we thank you now today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The name of the message today is, are we in the last days? A question. And even though it's put up there, in the last days, but really, it's, it's a question. Are we in the last days? A lot of people ask me that. I have people talk to me, and they ask me that question. Um, you know, Pastor David, tell me. I mean, help me work through the book of Revelation. And I, I really kind of discourage most Christians from spending a lot of time in the book of Revelation, only because it's a, it's a curious book. It's, it's wrapped up deeply in the prophetic. And it's, it's mysterious. And some of the brightest, most educated, most knowledgeable men that I've ever known, you know, line them all up and they all disagree on just exactly what the book of Revelation teaches. And so that, all, and that tells me as I'm watching because, you know, I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Um, you know, I know the Bible and my profession has been somewhat, you know, dimensional in, in, in a particular direction as far as pastoring. And so I really kind of just say, look, you know, You wait for the day. When the day comes, you'll know. Okay, you hear the trumpet. I was telling the kids about that, and they would just thought that was the coolest thing. You know, the trumpet will sound, and then we'll know. And what he tells us is, look, we ought to be in the field when that day comes. We shouldn't be up on a mountain. We shouldn't be in a hole like Gideon. We should be out in the field working, serving, and then we're just surprised. So we just drop what we're doing and go to be with him. So in a grand scheme of things, where are we? I mean, I'll give you my perspective and that is, you know, it's so amazing is when Jesus was ministering and when he spoke to them and, before he, and when he ascended, every single believer, that 120 up in that room were all convinced that he was going to come within a few weeks. So they packed light. And they hung out in that upper room for a little while longer. All that time just thinking, he's coming soon. And when he meant soon, they said soon. Right? When, you tell, when your friend tells you, hey, I'll see you soon, next week, two weeks, certainly not 10 years. But so they said soon. But folks, it's been what, 2,000 years. Almost 2,000 years when you add it all up. And that can, you can look at that and you can do one thing. You can get really discouraged and just say, well, or go even as far as to say, well, man, maybe that's not true at all. Maybe he's not coming again. Some people have gone that far. Others have said, well, you know, they, they've tried to, to, to reconform, reconform what Jesus said. But the truth is, what he said was true. He said, I'm coming soon, but not looking at time in the way we look at time. Because what does it say? Is a thousand years is like a day to God. And so we got to look at that. But I think on one hand, what we could also do is begin to say, well, gosh, it's taken him 2,000 years. I got another 1,000 So let's just eat, drink, and be merry. You know, it's like the kids at home thinking, you know, that parents are going to be home by 4, and you show up at 3.30. And what a surprise you got. Because it's usually the last five minutes that they do all the cleaning up, right? Vacuum's running. But for us as believers, see, we can't think that way. We can't think that way at all. And when you look through the New Testament, when Paul writes, and as a matter of fact, he's speaking to Timothy in some scripture we're going to look at here this morning, he is, is giving us a perspective that I think, and it's a cautionary perspective. And what he's, and what he's really kind of cut to the chase, it's like, you no, know, look, you've got to live like he's coming tomorrow, even though it's been 2,000 years. And let me say, what well, you could just say, uh, David, you know, 2,000 years. But let me, let me just put it this way, that when you live, and you walk, and you breathe, and you think in terms of how God is moving, you also have to look at history. And we have that, they're not just 2,000 years of just nothingness, it's 2,000 years of God doing amazing things on the planet. And when you look at that, and you take a little bit of time to kind of just study the history, you get what is called the, the, the prophetic clock, okay? Let me explain that real quickly before we get to this. The prophetic clock. And the prophetic clock doesn't run like the clock you and I look at. The prophetic cr- clock runs and it may actually slow way down in the terms of how we look at things, how we perceive time. And so that clock is just could be moving one day. Matter of fact, you look at the Middle Ages and you look at periods of time in our history and you just think, where was God for 500 years? Where was he? I mean, you look at that, and you just say, wow, that was some really cruddy time in human history. Dark. Christians went monastic and hid out in little buildings. What was going on, dear God? But then all of a sudden, that that perfect clock just clicked in, and the Reformation came, and things started to really speed up, and the Word went out throughout the earth in amazing ways priests who were raised up that were evangelical were, were saving whole peoples and even nations to christ it's amazing powerful then all of a sudden that prophetic clock might slow down again so my message to you is don't look at the clock if you're at work that's a bad idea isn't it because when you look at it what does it do But then when you get working, and you really got to get something done, it's like, it's going around in circles on you. You're like, what happened to the time? It's all perspective. And so when we're thinking in terms of Christ coming again, if you want him to come quickly, based on what I've just shared, what do we need to do? Get busy. Get busy. Now, don't look at the clock. Serve and live. And we'll get back to that. So I want to read the scripture in the light of what I just shared with you, because I really felt like I needed to kind of give you that, that, that bit of a foundation when we're thinking about what Paul is writing here. Because for us, again, we could just look at it and not let it impact us, but we need to let it impact us, because you know what? Here, here's what I think, and, and this is just one lonely pastor out of thousands. Not lonely. I'm happy. I mean, let's say just one happy pastor. I was going to say one individual. So... <laughs> Scratch that. One pastor out of thousands. I just came back from a men's retreat, man. I'm happy. All right. This is my perspective. And that is, folks, the perfect clock just turned on. It's moving fast again. And, man, it's moving really fast. And if we're going to be like the sons of Issachar, you better wake up. And you better see that things are moving faster than you realize. And that was prophesied, that in the last days, knowledge would grow at an astronomical rate. Every two years, three years, it doubles. And now they're talking about creating, uh, Google is talking about creating artificial intelligence that will be smarter than you, period. We'll outthink you, will know your every thought. Folks, the prophetic clock is ticking face recognition software that taps into all your Facebook posts, everything you've ever written, everything you've ever said, and one day everything that you've recorded will all be accessible to an artificial intelligence within milliseconds. Know you, outthink you, and will probably predetermine what you're going to do and what you're going to buy. That's where it's all going. And I say all going, I mean it's we're here. It's here. So in the light of all that, let's look at 2 Timothy 3. To really help us. To really get us. Paul starts there in 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, yeah, 2 Timothy 3 with with the really wonderful three words. But mark this. But mark this. In other words, write it down. Don't forget because it's important. Of course, everything Paul said was important. It turned out to be scripture, right? But here he's talking to Timothy. We're getting a chance to listen in on a conversation with Timothy, and so he's kind of giving him that inside story, and that's the kind of stuff you really want to listen to, to people in the know. Paul's teaching to the, to the masses, but his, his, his young man, his protege, his disciple, he's given some insider information, and it ends up right here. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. And I'm just going to take this part just for the sake of time. I was going to read all through it, but I'm, I'm just going to I'll just stop and comment, and then we'll move on. They'll be lovers of themselves. Folks, narcissism is at an all-time high that is causing levels of sociopathic behavior like never before. In other words, sociologists are absolutely they're baffled by what's taking place in our culture right now. And it's being fed by social media and the different things that are taking place that taps into a very, very deep need. And what they learned was that was a marketable need. See, you find a need, you fill the need. It's like the Lorax, right? The need. You fulfill any human need and you find a way to exploit that, to tap into it, And that is just what's taking place. We all have this need for connection. We all have this tremendous need to be able to socialize and love one another and that's all biblical and all very true, but what's happening, folks, is it's it's spinning out of control so that we're now thinking more of ourselves than we are of others. We're staring into the pool of water and we look at every part of who we are to to the point of navel-gazing and it's unhealthy. And, you know, it, it causes people, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but it causes people to despair. Now you say, well, well, David, maybe that's producing a need for Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. It really, as, as, as Jim talked about, that in, that, that that in the, I don't, I don't know if you caught that, but he talked about the compost. That out of the compost of our culture, did you know what he was really saying there? The crud. I mean, there's a few other choice words I could use there, but I'm just telling you. That out of that will grow something wonderful. And we're looking forward to that day. But we've got to get this. Because look, if we're living in the compost, it's time to get out of it. Okay? People will be lovers of themselves. This this sense of, of, of selfishness is growing in our culture deeply, deeply. Lovers of money. We've got an income separation that is growing in, our, in our, our, our world right now, and not just in the United States, but it's a growing dissatisfaction. The more you try to control this, the more you're going to work against our created purpose, our purpose. You know, people are... are, are, are trying to, and what I meant by that is if you try to create something, whether it be communism or socialism or any other ism that I've talked about before, anytime you try to control that, you're gonna cause chaos. You just are gonna. Because in the Old Testament, it was very clear that God taught his people to be busy and to be active and to produce. And every single one in the camp and every single one that was a part of that community was encouraged to do so and so what we have in the world and i'm not talking just about the united states now but we have in the world this growing dissatisfaction that is that ultimately will give birth ultimately as we read in the scripture ultimately give birth to something very very dark a control that you can smell you can see it's coming People, it says in the last days, people will be boastful. You know, narcissism gives way to an unrealistic view of ourselves. And so we begin to try to fill that in with pointing out our strengths rather than being more open to our weaknesses. When, When we walk around and it creates really a sociological thing, and even a sociopathic thing, that people are always going around and just trying to show you not only just what their strengths are, but even a facade, something that's not even real. Knowledge and discovery has caused men to become increasingly proud of their accomplishments. And that's giving way to humanism in a greater way that it, it's, it's scary. To the point, and that gives birth to a mockery of God. You know the Bill Nye, the science guy, and uh, they had that debate recently. Was, was it Ken Ham? And you could just see it all over Bill. Bill Nye, and, and you know, your heart went out to him to just say, "Man, if that guy could just get Christ." But he really just represents a whole knowledge base. And they says and, and sometimes I read on this new thing on the blogs is the people who believe in the ghost in the sky, or the people who believe in the ghost in the sky. And so that knowledge base has just grown so much that it laughs and mocks God. And I see even Christians getting caught up in it. It says that in the last days people would be abusive. You know, you read blogs and radio shows and tweets and videos that are increasingly abusive, even to the point where twelve and thirteen year old little girls are committing suicide because of the kind of abuse that they take. What they call it bullying. It's out of control. It says in the last days that people would be disobedient, disobedient to their parents. And, you know, sometimes, you know, that one to me always stood out like, wow, that was, seems kind of insignificant, but it's not. Not at all, but if, especially if we understand how important the family is. Matter of fact, when you say disobedient to your parents, in our, if you went into a, you know, a college cl- classroom and said that and read that, they just all start laughing hilariously. What? And and so it's kind of thrown in there. And Paul was just saying that that that, that was a, a, a natural progression because he teaches on authority over and over again. But more and more it's mocked. More than that, it is taught that children do not belong to their parents, thus destroying God's command that parents should teach their children to honor, to love and honor God. They're my kids, not your kids. They're they're gifts that God gave to me. And I'm going to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. They do not, I'm sorry, this crud that I hear, that it takes a village, it doesn't take a village, it takes a family. It takes a father and a mother who fear God and to raise them up. They're not necessarily going to do it perfectly. Now, if you're in a single parent situation, then it takes a mother. Or it takes a father, in my case, my dad raising me up. It may not be perfect, May may not get it all, but one God-fearing person who pours into a child and, it's, and, it, and there's that love that's, being, that's coming out, then man, God's there. We're never alone. But I tell you what, when I hear that mess and the thought that people want to come and try to take my children because I'm teaching them about the ghost in the sky, wake up, Christians! wake up because this stuff that's going out there is it's 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 coming in and the fibrous level and i'm telling you it's 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 going to come and in one day you're just going to wake up and realize whoa man what happened to all what happened my ability to be able to teach my kids about and somebody else is teaching them that that's all wrong i'm telling you they're waiting to do it absolutely waiting It's foolishness to think that what takes place in this room, it's absolutely foolishness that we think that our kids, these young folks that are sitting up here in the second row, that what they're hearing week after week is going to be the only thing that can hold them. They are going out there, and there are folks that are just waiting to gobble them up and to absolutely dismantle every single word that you see on that board. It ticks me off, man, I'm telling you. As you can see. Wake up, Christians. The prophetic clock is going and it's moving quickly, quickly, more quickly than it ever has in history. Disobedient to their parents. I see. You can see that I'm a little passionate about that one. Ungrateful. We have created, he said, in the last days, people would be ungrateful. Camp on that a minute. Just camp on that one, just a little bit. It's just one word. Well, you see, if you got the notes, you know what I'm getting ready to say. We've created this entitlement mentality that creates an attitude that one should only get and never give back. Or if they give back, it's a few cents, keep the change. Don't spend it all in one place. I don't want to get into that one, but I'm telling you, that's what it's producing. An ungratefulness that once it gets a hold of a people, it will create division. It will create hatred. It will create all manner of evil, and that's what. And Timothy's telling. Uh, I'm sorry, Paul is telling Timothy, look for it. That's what's going to come in the end times. That's what's being going to be poured out of the bowls of evil. Unholy. There's a loss of respect for God's purity and holiness sacrilegious mockery of God is on the rise. Talk shows. I mean, those things don't bother me, because you can tell me that one. David, don't just, just don't look at it. Don't read all that mess. There's people. I mean, I actually, uh, there was a guy that was a comedian that got on there, and he called uh, a particular politician Lord and Savior. And I, I don't know, I just wrote on there, said, you know, not mine. I mean, I got on Facebook and read, that he's not my Lord and Savior. And then that person wrote back to me and just said, oh, they were just kidding Look, I don't kid about Lord and Savior. I don't, I don't play with that one. I mean, you could talk about a whole other different group of words, but those two together are what make me walk today. It's what makes me breathe in and out. And I'm sorry, anybody else wants to do a joke about that? Forget you. Unholy. We see that kind of stuff. It's being poured out. And they mock the holiness of God. He said, that, that's what's going to happen. Without love, you're going to see a complete breakdown of what love really, really means. Man, do we not see that in our culture today? Pastors are having to sit down with people and, and comb through and, and just redefine because our culture has so been placed that love is, is a physical thing. Or that love, again, it, it, it springs out of narcissism. And, and then that a relationship, a marriage, that begins with just this absolute look. I'm marrying you because I, I, I think you're, you're gorgeous or I think you're handsome and I like, and I'm really, and I just can't wait to suck you dry of everything you are. You get two people that come into that relationship, then you just got two deflated balloons. You know? Just there they are, two flappy little balloons. Nothing in them because they've sucked the life out. Uh, Can I just remind you what the Bible says? Is it supposed to be an inflation? (laughs) We're supposed to be filling each other up so that we're just full. And isn't that amazing how that perspective works? Is that you're pouring into one another and you don't have to worry about what you're getting. If you give, 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 and you say, "Well, what if I'm the only one giving?" Then pray, talk to God. Get out of the way. Stop fussing. Stop getting angry. Stop trying to force them. you got to bring in the big guns. And God's the big guns. You want God to change your husband's heart? Then get on your knees and pray. And Get out of the way, by the way. Because he's trying to get to him, but you're in the way. It's like, you know, you've heard me say before, my dad, when he came to spank us, all five boys, man, he was trying to get to us. There's one he needs to get at. So my dad just got frustrated and spanked us all. Can't blame him. Can't blame him. He's wanting to go to bed and get some sleep. (laughs) Two o'clock in the morning. Okay, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Man, I mean, (laughs) just get about six months out of the next big election and you'll see all that happening, won't you? It's just all on the go. Lack of self-control. Lack of self-control is being celebrated. Those with mental illness are ignored. And, and that is really something that's amazing. You'd think that with a mentality, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't like to get political, but when you've, when you've got people out there that support a, a certain kind of political philosophy that says they're the most compassionate but they're not willing to take care of the ones who really need the help. That confuses me a little bit. You know, that it just seems so hypocritical that you would want to let, you know, to legalize pot and to legalize certain things knowing what it's gonna do to people. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Or to really encourage young people to go you know, and have multiple abortions go have you know drink and smoke and chew and go let out that those wild oats because it'll make you a better person. you' kidding me? all you're doing is filling up the therapy offices man you're making you're making uh psychologists rich I mean we could get jennifer march or or whoever you know in the in the abortion i mean just <laughs> What, what an abortion does to a human being, a, a young woman, psychologically. And they just cast it off as it's nothing. That's the time we're living in. People will be brutal. You know, they got that knockout game that's going on. You could be walking down the street and a bunch of young kids, young guys walk up and punch you in the side of the head. And the goal of the game is to completely knock you out. That that's when they they win and rejoice, man. He's unconscious. Yay! Well, brutal, man. Attacking of innocent people for no other reason but for the simple pleasure of it. I don't see a lot of people really discouraging that. It says, not lovers of the good you know good is being called evil and evil good it's treacherous it's, he'll talk about in the last days it's going to be treacherous you don't know who you can trust anymore gosh do you feel that way i mean come on be honest you get on a phone and you're talking to someone there has been so much spam there has been so many scams i mean you find out the things that are going on i mean you got life lock and you got all these different things that you have i mean gosh it's a treacherous culture we live in now where it's just like you don't know where you can walk you don't know where you can go you don't know who you can turn to man when my telephone rings and there's a number i don't recognize something goes off inside me going somebody's trying to steal my identity <laughs> and all i say is well look come and get it i could use some help over here no <laughs> i'm just joking but you know i mean i don't know if you're like me but I mean, thank God, up to this point, I've never had, but I've known people that their, their whole bank accounts have been drained. I've known people that they've got their, their stuff and their credit card information. I knew a guy, I mean, my, a good friend of mine, a guy down in Florida bought a car in his name. And so he started getting the payment book with a little note says, thank you very much. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> really appreciate that car. And guess what? The bank was belligerent with him too, and to say, look, we don't care. Pay the bill. (laughs) That's kind of freaky, isn't it? Folks, this is the time we're living in. You don't know. He says, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God. Having, now the last part of this is really something having a form of godliness but denying its power. The leader of the Greenpeace movement. The guy who started, one of the co-founders of it, co-founder now, is now looking back at what Greenpeace has become, and he says, word for words he says this, it has become a religious cult. He's looking back at it and saying, I want nothing to do with what I created how many years ago. He says it's become a religious cult. In other words, he recognizes that there's worship, that there's a God, Mother Earth. He recognizes all these different things are going on and it's freaking, I mean, he's, just, he's coming out and saying, look, and you know what, there have been other Christians who've seen that for years. Because we could recognize the whole thing. And it just, it, it just kind of freaks you out a little bit. Because, yeah, I want to save a tree. I mean, it's sad for me to, to, to chop down a tree. But man, when, when Friday night and we were cold, we chopped some trees, baby. <laughs> Didn't we, Jamie. Where's Mike, man? We were pointing, man, those trees. We loved them. We didn't worship them. We worship the God who created them for us to be able to use for such a thing. Sometimes it just doesn't make any sense at all now, does it? I understand. I understand. It's much more complicated. But it just says that there's going to be a form of godliness but denying its power. There's going to be, what I think Paul is talking about here specifically, is there going to be a rise of religiosity, which you know I have called churchianity, a religious facade. But down, down deep, or when people walk out the door, they live selfishly. And they're full of anger and malice. And Paul says, have nothing to do with them. You know, I can't get up there and, and, and say that. I mean, that, that, that would be cruel to say, look, you know, and kind of start putting that out there. Really, that's something that we, as individuals, we gotta we gotta sort out ourselves. If we can see that kind of thing going on, that you see a person, a friend, a a, a, a co-worker, or somebody that you, you walk with, and you just see a lot of religiosity in them, but then when they walk out the door, they're mean spirited. They're they're walking out the door and they're doing things. They're trying to hurt people, and they're holding revenge in their heart. They're being they're being you know they're trying to hurt people with their words. Or you're picking up, I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, maybe you're fighting for the trees. Maybe you're fighting for your race. Maybe you're fighting for whatever it is. But man, if you're cruel and mean and evil and vengeful about it, how does that have anything to do with our Jesus? That's what he's talking about here. That in the last days, we're gonna get all that muddled. And I'll tell you what it is. I was sitting with Jim in my office, and I was talking, I said, Jim, I'm so grateful that you came. I said, there's so few guys who, who operate in the prophetic that I really trust. Because a lot of them, I, I, I just, can I, can I just put it out there? Their lives don't match their message. And, and I, I love a person, a man who can get up here and shout and spit and do all that he can do. But if you can't make a marriage work, I don't know. If, he, if, if his kids are going out there and they're worst ones in the city, I, I, what? If, you know, there are other things that are going on, they got, their, their finances are completely out of control and, we're getting, and you're getting phone calls of debtors. I mean, that happened to me one time. A guy called me and said, look this, look, this minister, do you know him? I said, well, yeah, I do. It didn't happen here, by the way. But he said, do you know this guy? I said, well, yeah, I do know him. I said, I, you know, we, we pray together from time to time. I know him. He goes, well, look, I need you to go over there and tell him right now to pay me. He owes me several thousand dollars and he hasn't paid me yet. I said, look. He said, I know him. But I ain't, done, I ain't doing that. I ain't working for you. Anyway, it's kind of funny, isn't it? But then again, it's not. Because here is this, this, this guy who's a pastor and, and, you know, he's got this reputation of owing everybody in town how does that match see we got we can't ignore that we really can't because that is going to be a sign of the last days a lot of churchianity a lot of traditionalism but when the rubber meets the road and you know what that rubber is going to be touching the road soon where we're going to be pressed in to really having to make some major decisions in foreign countries, we're already seeing it. I mean, over in Europe, we're already seeing it. The government's stepping in, and they won't, uh, homeschooling is against the law. Before long, it's gonna be against the law for me to teach hate. And that's not even defined. But what will hate end up being? Calling a certain thing a sin? Right now, we're that close away. For one particular kind of sexuality situation, for me to be against the law for me to say it, that far away from somebody walking up to me and saying, "You have to marry these people, or you go to jail." Or we take away your 501C3 status and you're no longer a church." Wake up, Christians. Wake up, Christians. Here's the final charge because I'm going to end good on this, okay? I'm, I'm looking at you, and he was just, you walked in after worship, and you were like, <laughs> I see, man, I just, I just deflated you. And I thought, as I was going there, I said, I was thinking down there, Lord, what am I doing? As I prayed, and I prayed, and God, God just kept bringing me back to this, and what can I do? But do what he told me to do. Let me read the rest. You, however... No, that's good. Are you guys the you, however? All right, just say amen to that, and the rest applies to you. Good. You, he's talking to Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, bing, 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 bing. Catch that. My way of life. Paul was the same one that told Timothy, watch your doctrine and your life closely. He said, because they're mutually, they're not mutually exclusive, They're mutually connected. My way of life, my purpose, my faith, the patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. He said, you know all about it, Timothy. You saw me go through it with these political things. They came after me. They forced me out of town. They beat me. They put me in prison. But God got me out of those every single time. He said, the persecutions I endured. He said, you know all about that, Timothy. Oh, and I liked what he says. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Because see, look, I want to insert this. No, I won't, not yet. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's one of those verses that we all just, just skip right over. We move right to Psalms. Right, oh, the Lord is so good. You know what I mean? I look at that and just say, no. But it's coming. If you haven't already, if you stand up for Jesus, someone will stand against you, either in word or deed. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. Because you know those with whom you learned it. Now this is your message. Get this. He's talking to you right now. Personalize this. Let me do it again. But as for you, continue in what you learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are being able to which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then, then this wonderful uh, one of the classic verses uh, from Paul's writings. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching. We need to learn, don't we? For rebuking. Sometimes we have to help each other learn. Point some things out. Rebuke is, is kind of like, you know, you save that one for the end. Because there's cautions, there's corrections, there's other things. Counsel correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Because, like Jim said, out of the compost of this culture, great things are coming. Wonderful things are coming. We're not the only ones who have lived through dark times. If you look at the last 2,000 years, you'll see many. And matter of fact, you, just, you, go, to, you go to Sudan, I mean, you go to, you go to China, where, where increasingly they're, they're clinching down on Christians there in the underground. Did, did he, oh man, I should have played that. Tate, can you find it for me? I want you to find that video where the Christians, the Chinese Christians, are opening those Bibles for the first time. Did, can you find that? I think you can go to YouTube and just just put Chinese opening Bibles. He can do it. You know, I can just grunt and he can figure it out. I mean. Anyway. So I'll save that. And if you can find it, fine. No, if not. But man, being thoroughly trained and equipped for every good, every good work. Man, throughout the earth, people are suffering. And man, I pray that we don't have to suffer. I hope that in our culture, in our time, that we as Christians can keep moving on. But folks, sons of Issachar know the times. And if you're a warrior, then you can see and you're looking on the horizon. Warriors don't sit around in the camp with their guns laying down in the dirt. Warriors don't sit around and, and, and keep themselves you know, unfit, but they keep their, you know, spiritual warriors keep their spirits strong and their weapons at ready. And they've got their spiritual glasses and they're, they're zooming out to see what's on the horizon, what's moving. Do you see anything moving? I see something. Then you see the banner of the enemy coming up over the hill and you say, let's get ready. Because we got a battle coming, and you form up your lines. And when the enemy comes, he is shocked at your preparedness. It reminds me of one of the battles in in the Civil War. Our union union guys were doing just that. They're all laying out, cooking lunch, and playing their banjos. And here comes old Stonewall Jackson, out of the woods, with a third of the amount of, 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 of men. They ran. They chased him out of the wilderness. It's called the Battle of Chancellorsville. Amazing. A study in what you don't do. A study in bad leadership. But man, being on the ready. So what am I saying? Be ready in this culture, people. Get your weapons sharpened up. Get into your Bible, get into your word, get tight. Pull it together. Pull your family together. So how do we live in such, per, in, in such a pertinent, strikingly familiar time? And a warning. Number one, you got to live like Jesus is coming today. Okay, people? That is called the imminency of Christ. That means that sense that he's always going to come. He could come today. And the truth is, if you die, he does. Our coming comes in one of two forms, are going to him or the trumpet in the sky that maybe we are of that, of that generation that will we'll usher that in. But see, don't start thinking, oh, David, there's a lot of things. I mean, about three or four years ago, I said, you know, there's a lot of other things that got to happen before, you know, the Mark of the Beast and all the different things that you read there. And I just said, you know, because I would talk to Christians, and I, I'd just say, no, no, I, I, hmm. I said, I don't see that yet. I'm starting to see it now. And I'm the kind of person who's very critical of such things like that. I don't, I mean, you you talk to me, anybody who knows me, Andrew can tell you, I'm I'm not easily drawn into that stuff. I'm I'm starting to shake in my boots a little bit now. Something's up. I'm looking at the clock and I see it speeding up going, so don't, my point was, don't think in terms of natural time. That prophetic clock can slow way down and then boom, it can happen in an instant. I mean, it can just rush, to the end things can happen so much folks do you know let me put it out here we're one cataclysmic event away from all that takes place in the book of revelation one cataclysmic event and we've seen little glimpses of that when certain things happen so don't think you can just wait forever live like jesus is coming today number two remember that you were bought with a price Joe was up here singing, and he sang that song. You know, wasn't that awesome this morning, Leah and Joe, and what they were their 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 message to us today? But remember, you were bought with a price. Your life doesn't belong to you. Got to keep that in mind. See, Christianity is is not that we we've got this great deal that we can just drive out of the lot and 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 just be happy about it. No, man, really, your life it's it's like a car that's on lease. And if you lease a car, what do you want? You don't want to be, you don't want to dent it, do you? But you're gonna pay. Never done that. Never will, Lord willing. But your life doesn't belong to you. Your life belongs to Him. He made the trade when you said, I want you as my Savior. I, then my life no longer belongs to me. It belongs to Him. But thank God He is one that's trustworthy with my life. Thank God He is one that will use my life and, and is saying, Look, I respect you because I'm your Father. I'm the one that created you. And in essence, we're just going back to the Creator. That's all it is. But live every day like that. Expose darkness by living in the light. You know, Andrew and I are really committed to that. Not so much walking around and pointing our fingers in people's faces, but just living it. Just, just living as best we can. We're not perfect. Man, far from it. But that is really, I think, if, if I can encourage you as your pastor in any kind of, of, of strategy, it would be this. Look, work on the inside first. Inside first, the outside will come. Inside first, the outside will come. In other words, and so inside, apply that however you want to. The inside of your soul, the inside of your home, the inside of your workplace, the inside of anything. Inside first, the outside will come. That is the best last days strategy that any Christian could have. And that, in and of itself, we become beacons of life by our behavior, not so much by our words, although the words will come. Because somebody's going to come up to you, and Paul said this, and Jesus hinted at this, that they're going to ask you, where did you get what you got? You know, it's like that, is it the Staples uh, commercial? where you know, where'd you get it? Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? And it's the exact same thing, but only they're using computers and staplers and all that kind of mess. But for us I mean to live our lives, somebody walks up and say, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that joy? How did, how did you do that with your family?" How did you do that in your marriage? How are you doing that? I mean, man, that guy just chewed you out and you just looked at him. I love watching Christians in this congregation who I see doing that. It really encourages my heart. But don't be caught up with this generation where it's all out, outside first and forget about it. Who's that famous actor that just OD'd? Um, kind of white hair. Philip Seymour, Hoffman, Yeah, okay, so you guys read it, you know. Wonderfully talented man, wasn't he? You know, he wasn't my favorite actor, but he was talented. He was a little creepy to me, but anyway, he was, uh, (laughs) but he was in good movies, right? But the truth is, the guy had serious problems on the inside, didn't he? And if somebody could have gotten to him and loved on him, but it was such an, everybody was shocked. Why are you shocked? People, you can't ignore what's going on the inside in a culture that emphasizes only the facade. Folks, we've got to work in the inside. Expose that darkness by living in the light. Live in that light. You don't have to get a sandwich sign and stand out there on, on Roanoke Avenue. Jesus, repent, Jesus is coming soon. You don't have to do that. Just live the life. And that's the sandwich sign you walk with every single day. I know you've got some college students in here, and I know it's hard, hard, hard. Live it. Live it, live it, live it. Hey, let's go party. No, that's okay. I'm going to study tonight. People are watching. They may mock you right then and there, and that happened to me in high school so many times where they made fun of me. But later, the Nicodemuses come out of the woodwork. Hey, oh, where are you getting this? What's going on with you? And it's at that point you can really share your faith. You can look, and just like Jesus said, look, you've got to be born again. That's the secret. Remain humble and avoid judgment, bitterness, revenge. Seek a simple, purposeful life, always following the steps where God leads. And that number four, you really need to write down and keep somewhere. Remain humble and avoid that judgment, that bitterness, that vengeful spirit, because that is a spirit of the age. And it's amazing that once you enter into it, you can be gobbled up by something so so much bigger than you. Throwing rocks. A Christian should never, ever have a rock in his hand. Only if you're going to build something. But never the throw. Unless you're trying to protect yourself from from someone evil. And uh, what's his name taught us about that? Um, Tracy. So remain humble, you know, and seek that, seek that simple, purposeful life, always following the steps where God leads. Having I mean, that heart, God, where do you want me to go? What do, we, what do you want me to do next? And watch him move. Watch him bless you. You know, Jim talked about there being um, um, promotions among us. We're already starting to see that happen. We're already starting to see people in our church that, are, that have a heart and a desire for things and to move up and to you know, expand. It's happening. Cry out to God for it. He wants to put you in those strategic places. Be a faithful student of the word of God. Know what God has said about history because you are a part of it. Let's pray. Lord, oh, that we could go back and look at our faith with such simple childlike hunger. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to understand that, God, you haven't gone away. You haven't abandoned our nation. Lord, I know there's a lot of disagreement. Lord, I know there's a lot of fighting and pointing fingers and really division. And, Lord, when we're divided, we cannot stand. And the enemy is taking advantage of that. So Lord, may we put our rocks down. May we put down, Lord, our political agendas. and understand that Lord, we're living on your prophetic clock, and you could come at any moment. and, you, and what you want us to be doing when you come is to be holding that Bible just like that. Because it's the precious words of life. Lord, it is mocked. it is burned. It is thrown away. It is ignored. But Lord, to look at these people who understand what it is, the very words of life, in direct contact, uh, contrast to a political philosophy that has robbed all of their people from real life. So Lord, I just pray right now. Help us. Help us in these times, Lord, to not be Lackadaisical, to be lazy, uninformed. But help us, Lord, to understand that, Lord, religiosity and churchianity is going to get us nowhere. It'll do nothing. It'll impress somebody for a little bit, but in the end, Lord, we will be shown for what we really are. And at that point, you're so ready to take us and say, you know what, let's, let's do this by the book. Let's go on the inside and work with those attitudes, with those judgments. Let's work and heal that. Lord, let the love of Jesus grow in us in these days. Let it grow, Father, that it would just permeate our every cell. And then, Lord, it begins to glow. And that people would see it through simple acts of kindness. Lord I see people doing that here in this congregation it's just so wonderful Lord a greater testimony than any words could ever bring let's stand up this morning if I could have our prayer teams please come at this time and I want us to just Continue to bow our heads, keep our eyes closed. And I want to pray two simple prayers. I want to pray for all of us in the room to to, to leave today with everything we need to accomplish God's purpose in these times. I want to pray that over you. But before I do, I want to pray. If you're in this room today, let me tell you, you are caught up in something that you can't ignore. You're on a ship, and you think you're on the land. But you're not. You're moving, and you're heading toward the uh, time when you will get off that ship, and you'll have to give an account for your life. Did you accept the gift, the Son, eternal life? We're on your right side when it all comes down. I want to ask you, if you're not certain that if you died tonight that you would go to heaven, that you would be him, I would be with him, I want to pray for you. And if that's you with no one looking around, raise your hand up. Don't leave today without knowing, <laughs> having that confidence. Anyone at all? Okay. But I want to pray for all of us today. Now you get, get yourself in that posture now. Whether you need to raise your hands, whether you want to kneel, Whether you want to, whatever you do, just get yourself in a, a posture of receiving right now. Lord, we come to you. Lord, we recognize that we live in times where the prophetic clock is moving and perhaps even faster than we've ever known. Things are shifting. Lord, I don't know about personalities and who is who and who will do what. I don't know. But Lord, I see the fruit of it in our culture. And it's time for the church, Lord, to wake up. Lord, to be like the sons of Issachar. Lord, when everybody else is, is laying down and, and their weapons are rusting and they're focused on things that, that are not a part of who they are, Lord, we as your people, the weapons will be sharpened. Lord, we'll stand to post and we're ready. Lord, help us to look over the horizon and Lord, to be able to resist every one of the attempts of the enemy to take us personally or our families. Lord, give us supernatural wisdom these days to recognize that darkness as it comes. Lord, darkness often comes first with the twilight, with the, with the, uh, with the shadow. Lord, let us recognize. Let our senses be that attuned. And Lord, I pray, God, make us shine brightly for you. Lord, we want to be those, God, are in the field when you come. We want to be those who are about your business when you come. Serving faithfully, ready to go. And in some ways, kind of looking back at the field and saying, gosh, I wish I had a little more time. Because I wanted that one to come to Christ. And I wanted that one to come to Christ. And I wanted that nation to come to Christ. So, Lord, do that work in us. Fill us up with your Holy Spirit now. Fill us up. Make us ready. Make, Convince our souls, Holy Spirit. Be that holy hound of heaven who sniffs out that place in our lives where we're lackadaisical, God. Where, where we've let things go. God, let us tighten up in these days to be ready. Lord, and let us be able to communicate the hope that we have. Let us not be shy when that time comes, but to be ready, attuned, discerning, right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.